This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Kate Andrews and Fraser Nelson. Now, Kate, guilt markets are back in the uh, news this week. Why is that? I know I'm so sorry to tell our listeners that we're all glued to the guilt yield graphs again, um, a throwback to last autumn after the mini budget um, when we saw that borrowing costs for the UK started to rise quite significantly. And the 10-year guilt yields are as high as they have been since last autumn. We started noticing this a few days ago, and it came after the inflation update. Now, you'll have seen a lot of positive headlines around that inflation figure, and the government was really trying to make a lot out of it, saying, look, the headline rate of, of inflation has fallen from 10.1% on the year in March down to 8.7% in April. But the truth was that underneath that headline figure, there was a lot of uh, bad information. And of course, the markets picked up on that immediately, mainly that core inflation was actually on the rise. And it does seem like inflation is becoming more embedded into the system. So the assumption is there's going to be at least another interest rate hike, if not several. Markets are factoring that in. As a result, borrowing costs are going up. But I think the real fear, if we look at the numbers today, is, is that they continue to they continue to rise on Thursday, overtaking Italy to uh, 4.37%. Uh, this is the 10-year gilt yield, uh, which lands the UK with the biggest borrowing cost amongst advanced economies in the G7. That hasn't happened since the financial crash. And I, I think that the bigger worry here is, you know, are markets just responding to another interest rate hike or are markets signaling how worried they are that inflation is actually out of control, that the Bank of England, even with its rate hikes, cannot get this under control. And I think that's much that's much more worrying in the medium, medium term, especially when it comes to international investors wanting, um, wanting to back the UK. Fraser, what's your thoughts on this? It's funny that when Liz Truss was Prime Minister, people would look on the gilt yields as a market that would decide her future or lack thereof. The UK is unusually sensitive to interest rate rises. Something like a quarter of our national debt is inflation-linked. So when inflation goes up, this translates very quickly into absolutely huge costs for the government. So when, when Liz Truss, I mean, we used to have... Um, it, that, I remember the five-year gilt used to be a figure used to decide Liz Truss's fate. Um, so that means if the government's borrowing, wants to borrow for five years, it would pay about 2% interest back in August. Um, but when after the mini-budget, that was 4% interest. Now, that doubling in rates was, you know, um, pretty bad and enough ultimately to, to get um, Liz Truss kicked out because the markets couldn't tolerate it. But when you look now at, the, at those rates, they um, let's take, uh, Kate mentioned the 10-year yields. So let's drop the five-year one for a second, just look at the 10-year yield. So before, um, last summer it was about 2%, it peaked under the Liz Truss um, mini-budget. I wouldn't call it madness, I'm sure Kate would, but at about 4.5%. But now it's at 4.3%, very, very close to what it was. Now, the funny thing was that it wasn't the worst in the G7 under Liz Truss. It is the worst in the G7 under Rishi Sunak. So right now we've seen under Sunak 
the 10-year borrowing costs go from 3.5% to 4.3%. That's a pretty big uptick. We've seen core inflation very high, really. Um, uh, so you're getting sort of um, big factors coming down. For example, take the gas prices, way cheaper than they used to be recently. It was going down a lot. But it's looking as if Ricky Sunak might genuinely be now at risk of missing his target of having inflation over the course of a year. That looked like an easy target when he set out. Now it's made a lot difficult. So there does seem to be some trouble made in Downing Street. All right, let's break that down a little bit. I completely agree with Fraser that this is very bad news for Ishii Sunak. But let's look at why this is happening. I mean, last autumn after the mini-budget, and of course it wasn't just the announcements, it wasn't just the tax cuts in the mini-budget, it was really that energy price guarantee that had been announced weeks before, led to a situation where markets were very mistrusting of the UK's financial management. In addition to that, we have to remember, though the Liz Trust never really said it herself, one of the goals of Trustonomics was to try to counterbalance fiscal policy with more monetary policy and to get interest rates up. And the really frightening thing about last autumn is that because the UK was losing this trust, the reason all of our eyes were on these graphs is because we just didn't know where it was going to peak, right? The borrowing costs were drifting up. The expectations for interest rate peaks were drifting up. And it felt like a lot of that was due to very specific fiscal announcements made by government. Sunak, in many ways, will have the same consequences. He'll have many of the same problems that Liz Truss had. The difference is that this one's really being driven by worry about inflation, one of the few things governments can't control. Now, where I think Fraser makes a really important point, and I want to double down on it, is why on earth do the government keep pretending that they can control inflation? I mean, if you want to differentiate yourself from Liz Truss, and I think these circumstances are quite different, even if they're going to lead to a very similar headache, do not claim that you can have inflation. Do not claim that this is in your remit. This is fundamentally a problem of the Bank of England. It has lost so much credibility. And as I said, the worry now is that it's going to lose even more. And is it ever going to fall off a cliff to the point where we can't get it back? Um, you know, let's hope not. That could be rather disastrous. But um, stop trying to take credit for something. Because if you do, I actually think Rishi Sunak will inadvertently drift more into the Liz Trust camp because she, she did have more control over that situation than what I think is happening now. Now, one thing we haven't mentioned, um, which is to me the biggest single factor in Liz Truss's demise, it wasn't the mini budget, it was the pensions blow up. Now, Britain has got incredibly vulnerable pensions. I think 35 are British. Um, pension fund members are undefined benefit schemes. So they uh, and the inflation protected. So when we see inflation, inflation and rates rise, that's got really um, bigger implications for our pensions market than it does for that of other countries. What we found out at exactly the same time as the Liz Truss um, mini budget it also coincided with a world increase in interest rates. So there's a perfect storm here, was that Britain is so vulnerable to the pension fund crack-up um, that we, you, we had to take emergency evasive action, including the ejection of a prime minister and the unprecedented situation where the head of the civil service sent her a letter telling her that she had to abandon all of her policies because the markets would go pop otherwise. Now, it suits a great many people to say, actually, these economic factors weren't, um, weren't really to blame. It was Liz Truss's sheer madness. And as soon as the market saw sensible Rishi coming to the rescue, they all calmed down. Uh, now, that is the sort of official Rishi entry, Rishi saves the world narrative. The real narrative is that there is a massive vulnerability in the UK economic system in the form of pension fund exposure. And I worry that uh, unless we're clear-eyed about this, then we might end up with the same problem again. 
what happens if UK yields keep creeping up to list trust um, levels? What happens if the inflation looks and doesn't get under control? We risk um, stepping over the same, stepping on the same landmine yet again. So that's why I think this is worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think at this point we should play Jeremy Hunt's clips, uh, quotes from this morning. It's a short clip, but... Are you comfortable with that, with the Bank of England doing whatever it takes to bring down inflation, even if that potentially would precipitate that recession that you've almost just avoided? Yes, because in the end, even if, it, even if there's a the recession. inflation is a source of instability. And if we want to have prosperity, if we want to grow the economy, if we want to reduce the risk of recession... We have to support the Bank of England in the difficult decisions that they take. And Kate, Jeremy Hunt there saying that he was comfortable with the Bank of England raising interest rates as it struggles to curb these prices. What is your reaction to those comments? I thought we've had one of the more frank moments from the Chancellor this morning than we've had um, since he really had to roll back those announcements last autumn in Liz Truss's mini-budget. He has also been talking about having inflation. He's sort of been on this very... He's been promoting this very positive narrative as well. And this morning on Sky News, he was asked, would you be comfortable with essentially us going into recession, rates having to rise quite dramatically in order to uh, get inflation under control? And he basically said yes. He said he'd take the trade-off. It's nothing to celebrate, but it was very important recognition from the Chancellor that I don't think we've seen in some time, um, that things are are not okay, things are not all right, that the headline figure this week suited them really well as a bit of a cover-up as to what's actually happening beneath the surface. And it's just also a, a reminder of, of how delicate all these forecasts are. I mean, just last week, you had the IMF revising the UK's just recently, you had the IMF upgrading the UK's growth forecast, saying it no longer thinks the UK will enter recession. Uh, and you have Germany formally entering recession. And I think, you know, there's been a bit of a narrative, oh, we're in the clear. Well, we're really, really not. Um, with inflation as sky high as it still is, it's very difficult to see how we don't get that under control without interest rates rising further. That is going to cause more pain. Um, and there, the risk of recession absolutely still looms. Frankly, even if we don't go into recession, people are still going to feel a lot worse off. I, I, I think this whole idea that everything's moving in the right direction and we should all feel um, really positive about that is is it's certainly an oversell at the moment. And this morning, the Chancellor, in my opinion, finally alluded to that. This can sometimes all sound very theoretical, but if you're one of the Brits who's on a, um, a variable mortgage, you want to know about the base rate. Now, you've seen the base rate rise to 4.5% at the moment. Now, a few months ago, it looked as if that's where it was going to peak. Not anymore. It's now going to peak at about 5.5%, quarter percent That's the market expectation. Now, you can track this on the Spectator Data Hub. Um, I've been a, I was a financial journalist before I was a political journalist, and it always struck me that there is an imbalance of knowledge, that the journalists had knowledge of where the markets were going to peak for the base run, but those forecasts were never shared with the reader. So that's why we put together the Spectator Data Hub. So right now, we, can, we, we do not only where interest rates and inflation has been, but where it's expected to go. I'm not aware of any other outfits in the UK giving this information. Now, it might sound nerdy, and part of me does this simply because it's possible, and I think it's, it's fun to do. But 
if you are um, somebody whose finances very much depend on your mortgage payment and that mortgage payment is linked to the base rate, you absolutely want to know what that base rate is going to do in the next few months. Now, every single day that um, picture changes, it's been changing a lot recently, it's been changing for the worst. But if you go to data.spectator.co.uk and go to the economy tab, then you will find every single day the latest market expectations and therefore what you can expect for your interest rate. I mean, there is a danger, you know, when you sit here and talk about guilt yields and interest uh, market expectations and five-year, you know, nobody listening to this podcast will be purchasing a five-year guilt or a 10-year guilt. But a lot of people will be wondering if we're going to get a variable or a fixed mortgage, if, if their fix is a good deal or a bad deal. You can only make that decision if you know what the market expects the interest rates to do. And that's what we're trying to do with the Spectator Data Hub. So to be honest, if there's so much as one person out there has got to the end of my little spiel and I can help them, I'll be happy. (laughs) Nice little plug there. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Kate. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.